welcome to Blades Pod. It's Monday, 28th of October. My name is Ben. I'm joined once again, as always, by Andrew of RoysViewFrom.com. How are you doing today, mate? It's another good weekend for me. What about yourself? Yeah, it's another pretty good weekend to be a Sheffield United fan. And here we are, the clocks have gone back. We made it to like the end of October. Ten games played, United are eighth in the Premier League, which is like... Lot yeah. of <laughs> like, I still don't Heady heights, heady heights, isn't it? It is, and you know, I mean both of us thought we'd stay up this season. Um and you know, I kinda doubt that we're gonna finish in the top ten. But then you look at the teams that we've played and I think we've played every team from ninth upwards, something like that. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean I don't I, you don't want to get carried away. I'm not gonna say top ten or anything like that. I still take fourth bottom, but it's been a difficult start, and yeah. to be eighth after ten games—that's beyond my wildest ambitions, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not. Yeah, it's it's definitely not that we've had a kind run of fixtures or anything like that. Yeah, we've so out of the top ten, obviously we are one of them, and then it's just the two Manchester clubs. So seven out of the other nine teams in the top ten we've played, and. Yeah, taking taking points off most of them. Yeah. I suppose the only, uh, <laughs> yeah, as we've said before, the only one that looks a bit funky is uh, is that home defeat to uh, Southampton. That's it, and I think out of the first ten, if you had said that at the beginning, that's the one game that you're going to be disappointed. I think we'd have taken that one. I think just that one sort what? of poor result out of a lot of them. It's well, annoying beating Southampton because if you, if we'd have beat them or even got a point against them, it'd have looked even better in terms of the relegation spots. But mm. you know you can't. You can't have everything, can you? No, and that's kind of a mark of a, a mid-table team in some ways, I suppose. You yeah. know, you're going to drop points to teams you don't expect to or, or, you know, kind of doesn't look so good in hindsight and pick up points against teams like Arsenal. Um, yeah, hopefully the sound quality will be a bit better this week, which is entirely my fault, but it, it does... I'm going to say i got a lot of complaints from people saying I'm shouting, so uh, I'll, uh, no, I'll try to talk later and then... <laughs> it's, it's my fault. Um, it's because I've got a new desk, you see, and it's a standing desk, so I can adjust it to either sit or stand, obviously. And so I tried it in a standing position. I think it means I had the microphone in a different place and I didn't balance it out. So right. apologies, my fault. Hopefully, <laughs> well, this will be better because obviously I will put some more attention into it before it actually goes live this time. <laughs> anyway, all that aside, obviously played a game of football on Saturday. West Ham won, Sheffield United won. Still unbeaten away this season. Still Ridiculous. unbeaten away since January. Do you know it's now only one away defeat in the last 12 months? That's you know insane. That? Yeah, that's Swansea, isn't it? That's it. It is, yeah. So we lost at Derby on it was about the 20th of October. Wow, is it that long? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, coming off an international break. I think that was like a... That might have been our... F- no, it was our second brush with the dreaded international breaks. Um, and then since yeah. then, yeah, 12 months have gone past and we've lost one single game, uh, which was to an Ollie McBurney goal for Swansea. Um, yeah. There's probably some easy Ollie McBurney jokes there, but we're not going to make <laughs> We're, we're going to talk about West Ham instead. So, yeah, you know, you know, get a point at the Olympic Stadium. Um, in, in a funny way, uh, as much as I obviously enjoy beating Arsenal significantly more than I do drawing with anyone, I, I kind of feel like this was a more interesting game, like... To both both to watch and kind of break down afterwards. Am I am I mental yeah. for thinking? Yeah, that? I agree. I, yeah, there's definitely more things to talk about okay, because we weren't quite as good as we were against Arsenal, and there were obviously more action as well. We were more end to end, particularly the second half. Uh, I actually thought this was going to be the toughest one so far, uh, simply because it came off the back of the Arsenal, where we put. I know we had mm. five days rest or whatever, but 
you put so much energy into that mentally and physically. Absolutely. And West Ham, they're due a win, aren't they? Let's be honest. They've got enough good players to be doing a little bit better than they are. And I thought they'll you know, see Sheffield United at home, nearly promoted side, probably a bit tired from the weekend. You know, that's that's three points. I'd be thinking that for a West Ham fan. So I think it's a really, really, really good point. Really, really happy with it. Mm. And you've got, I mean, we'll talk about this in a bit more detail later, but you do have the sort of Tevez rivalry grudge match edge, don't you? I mean, you know, the, uh, as much yeah. as I think the majority of fans really don't care about it, from probably from both sides, to be honest, you know, that, that did become a... I think uh, both sides think the other side... Sorry, I think both sides think the other side's more bothered than the other side. <laughs> you know what I mean? That sounds, again, like classic football fandom. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're so obsessed with what we're doing that I'm here commenting on your Twitter post or something. Yeah, it's like that. What's, uh, is it frozen? Let it go. That's all, <laughs> that's all I feel like when I, when I read about Tevez these days, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but it kind of inescapably was a, a, a national media narrative over, you know, on Friday and on Saturday. You know, that was kind of all I was reading in... Well, a lot of the newspapers on the Athletic and the Guardian, things like that. So Big Kev got about, didn't he, as well? He had his uh, two pennies worth. <laughs> mm, yes, I've, I've avoided reading that, so I'm not going to comment on it. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, exactly, just to kind of feed back to your point, you know, uh, on paper, a tough game, not only ability-wise, but then, yeah, you, you throw in... I mean, I think, is it fair to say this would be, like, the closest thing to a grudge match this season? I can't Undoubtedly, think of... I think maybe Norwich, but that's oh, purely... Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it comes close to West Ham in terms of the deep feeling between the fans, particularly mm. at the time of the Tevez thing. I think the Norwich thing is a bit of a... It's going to be one of them sort of rivalries that in a couple of years we'll forget about, you know. And we had, mm. we had a similar sort of rivalry with, you know, uh, Burnley, absolutely enough, you know, when we were turning and Walnut, which we'll obviously come on to later. <laughs> it was that, it's that sort of rivalry for me with Norwich where in about 10 years you'll think, was that really... Do <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. That's uh, that's a classic. Your fans care about this more than we do. Uh, yeah, rivalry, that one. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the phony war rivalry. But anyway, um, yeah. So game obviously finished one all. Um, you know, there's this kind of archetypal game of two halves thing. But I I think you make the case it was a game of of four sections. I'm not going to say four quarters because uh, I don't think it was. It didn't exactly fit twenty two and a <laughs> half minutes or however many it is divided by four. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about each uh, each of those sections uh, in turn then, because I think that's probably a, a good good sort of backbone to discuss the the key events of the game. So, the first twenty five minutes, um, what was your thoughts after about twenty five minutes of this game? I thought it's the poorest we've been in in terms of the possession of the ball. We gave it away. We looked a bit sort of I don't know. It just wasn't Sheffield United under Wilder. It, it reminded me of a sort of a I don't know, maybe like even I don't want to be able to say an Atkins game, but you know what I mean, like that sort of quite lethargic, mm. not really into it. But at the same time, I was absolutely delighted that they didn't really have a chance other than that one shot from Anderson yeah. from miles away, which went over the bar. So it was a weird one. I felt fairly comfortable, despite the fact how poorly we were playing, particularly going forward, because West Ham they had all the ball, but they weren't really doing much. And I just kept thinking, is this going to be another Everton? You know, where mm. we didn't play very well in terms of the ball there, and but they didn't create anything. So you thought eventually United would get into it, and that's why we're so. I mean, we'll come on to obviously later on, but that's why we're so disappointed at the time with the goal at half time because mm. I thought we'd sort of seen out our worst spell and got away with it somewhat. Yeah, I, th- I think the parallels with Everton are, are pretty, um, a pretty good one actually. Yeah, we just, we just had nothing of the ball. I mean, we we barely got out of our half for twenty five no. minutes. I mean, as you say, West Ham, you know, they're only, 
I think they only had um, two shots in that whole 25 minutes. And, you know, one of them was that... It was fairly close from Anderson, but I mean... It was a good shot. It was a good effort, to be fair. Yeah, but shooting from 25 yards, I mean, you know, it, well, as statistics show, they, doesn't, they don't go in very often. Yeah. So, and I think Anderson probably had it covered anyway. Um, do you know how many passes we completed in the first 25 minutes? God, ain't I? 35. <laughs> so... Oh, which, which yeah. is is laughable, really. Um, West Ham 124, so you know, basically, basically four times as much possession. Um, if I think that's the, how it sounds, I'm not yeah. that surprised. I mean, it sounds awful on paper when you you read it out like that, but that's how it felt. It just felt like we were almost waiting for I don't know, we're waiting for some sort of spark to kick into, like, mm. almost like waiting to concede before we decided. You know, then obviously we had that very small break, uh, which we ended up getting a corner and nearly scoring. And we mm. sort, of, sort of, I think after that we thought, whoa, hang on. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, they, yeah, just to kind of wrap up this sort of first phase, I mean, they, they actually completed almost as many passes in our final third as we did in the the whole pitch, basically. Yeah. Um, and they really, I mean, they just peppered our box for crosses. Uh, they had 14 in this 25 minutes, um, which was, yeah, it's, it's about... Um, that's almost half what they ended up taking in the entire game. So it was it was just all them in terms of possession and just yeah sticking it into our box. But I, I thought O'Connell actually in this phase this was he was just so dominant. I thought they were yeah. you know they were coming down the right quite a lot. Um, I think it was Yar- oh no who was out right was that Anderson? I can't remember. I think uh, Yarmolenko Anderson, was left. Yeah, Yarmolenko was down the right, wasn't he? I think. Uh, yeah, oh, of course he was. Yeah, sorry, that's right. Um, yeah. And so yeah, there were. Just some brilliant bits of individual defending when, you know, he was basically one-on-one with Yarmolenko. He's a very good player. Yeah. And he just completely shut him down and, like, ran him into a non-dangerous situation or just, you know, forced it out for a corner, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I thought he really, really kind of kept, not kept us in it, but certainly limited what West Ham yeah. were able to do with all yeah, that Yeah, because I think Stevens were even sloppy in that first half. In the first 20 minutes, at least, he was sort of losing his man, not getting as tight as normal and... Giving it, giving it away a few times as well, and not being quite as sensible as he has been. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I think we moved into sort of the second second phase of the of the game, which was around that sort of twenty five, twenty six minutes. And as you mentioned, we got that break, um, and we ended up winning a corner from it. And then we had easily the best chance of the game up to that point. Um, mm. O'Connell, as he did against Arsenal, heads it back across. And uh, who should it land to but Mister McGoldrick, <laughs> six yeah. yards out. Yeah. Uh, he flicks it towards goal, but Roberto makes the save. Now, I mean, watching this, when I was watching this live, um, and I was not in the stadium, I was watching it uh, on, on a screen, so I had a, probably a better angle of this than uh, than people in the stadium did. Cause it, it I imagine so. Yeah, I think d- people watching in Holland, not even watching it, had a better angle than people <laughs> yeah. in the stadium. Just like watching it on like a, a, a live text tracker. <laughs> yeah. Slightly better <laughs> angle on it. But anyway, so watching it live, I... I, I thought I didn't. I don't know. I didn't get the impression it was like, oh, I can't believe he's not scored. But I mean, let, let's not overlook the fact he definitely should have scored, and it's it's yeah. yet another big chance um, as Opta classes it that McGoldrick's missed. I think it was a, uh, I think it was like a 0.62 xG chance, which is extremely high from open play. Um, you know, that is a really really good chance. But I, yeah. I have a little bit of sympathy, and you know, it's slightly it's slightly behind him, or, or rather, it's not. It wasn't out in front of him, was it? He sort of has to angle himself a little bit and yeah. flick it. I mean, it's not it's like he can get his foot through that. it. And I, and I don't, I don't think he's great with that. He scored one at uh, Preston last season, were quite similar, mm. uh, similar to that. But that's not really his sort of thing. And 
everyone always says, and it's true, Billy Sharp would have scored it, and he would have because that's yeah. he's a natural goal scorer. He gets in there, he, that's that's in the net. He's, he's aware to those sort of situations. It's just not. It's just not Didsy, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. And it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I've certainly. I think we talked about this before, but I'm kind of at the point where. Um, I don't really react now when he doesn't score a chance. You know, I'm just kind of like, well, you know, that's kind of that's that's kind of. I think I think because I know what he brings to the team. Otherwise, I, I, I just it. I just accept that limitation. You know, like obviously, this is, it sounds so stupid. Like if somebody clipped that and played it back to me, that would sound ridiculous. But that is genuinely how I emotionally process what you know, yeah. McGoldrick missing in inverted commas a chance. Once again, he hits the target. He always hits the blooming target. You know, yeah, for these easy yeah. chances, it's just. Can you hit the target just like slightly more in the corner so the keeper doesn't yeah. save it? Um, but on the subject of McGoldrick, in terms of uh, you know what he offers outside of his goals, you've, there's players throughout history who who do that. Giroud didn't score for France when they won the World Cup, for instance, and Heskey's a prime example of you know did, his goal record were pretty awful, but he got mm. like 62 England caps, 18 year career at the top level. These plays do exist and they get picked for a reason. And McGoldrick's in there for a reason. When I came onto social media after the game, all I saw were criticism of him. And I understand it completely and it's frustrating. But he does offer that much. That's why he gets picked. He's, he's Weirdly enough, he's not there because he's a finisher. Mm. He's there for everything else that he does. And I thought it was, once again, one of our best players again outside of the area. Yeah. I, I, I've written this down, actually, but I thought this game was like the best and the worst of McGoldrick. And the... Yeah. To me, the best outweighs the worst by a significant margin. To the extent where I, you know, from what I've seen of him these last two games, I absolutely want him to stay in the team regardless. He's got, of yeah, with... we've looked far more dangerous with him in the team, and it's not a, his old up plays better than everybody else's at the moment as well. I mean, Bernie might come into that, maybe even Musa, but at mm. this particular moment, he's the one. It sticks with him. Yeah. It doesn't stick really with anyone else up there. No, agreed. Um, so yeah, we, we had that chance, which as I said came completely out of nothing. You know that that was literally our first shot of the game, yeah. uh, first corner, basically first time we'd even been in their final third, to be honest. But then it was suddenly like we realised, oh hey, we're ninth in the league, and you know these are only a mid-table team themselves. You know it's not Man City mm. or Liverpool or anything, and we were just suddenly like really really effective. So between the twenty-six minute and half time, we had six shots. Um, and, and just for context, we're out currently averaging 9.6 shots per game for the rest of the season. So that's a pretty high attacking output for us. I mean, we're still getting out past, but six shots to one suddenly show in, in that period just shows how incisive we were. And mm. McGold, I mean, I don't know if you remember, McGoldrick had that brilliant break um, where he, like, he won the ball pretty much on the edge of our area yeah. and, and ran, you know, fully 60 yards with it and wins a free kick in a, in a good yeah, position really, for really us. Yeah, really good play that, yeah. Um, one other thing in this in this period, in these in these chances, although it's not actually counted because it, uh, for some reason, well, I guess it makes sense, but Opta and everyone, every other stat company have not tracked this as a shot, but the, the uh, Callum Robinson header which I uh, I still, I've watched that so many times now, and I still can't work out what happened. <laughs> no, well, let's try and uh, let's try and break it down. I suppose so. A great bit of work by I think it's Lundstrom and Baldock Lundstrom, out yeah. on the right wing. Lundstrom puts in a fantastic ball, uh, just a, a a brilliant cross, and and he was excellent again. Actually, Lundstrom, a yeah. really really good game from him, popping up all over the place. Man of the match, I thought for us. Mm, it's a good shout. So. Um, yeah, cross comes in. Robinson is completely unmarked, um, and the ball kind of just hits him on the head and goes backwards from about seven or eight yards. Um, all the United fans in the ground start celebrating. Yeah, you can hear that, yeah, it's all hear that, that very yeah. clearly. Um, so it obviously looked like it had gone in the net, but it, it went backwards. And 
Uh, you know, I've, I've not seen a re- I've only seen a couple of replays. I'm pretty sure the goalkeeper. So what happens is the goalkeeper like goes to intercept the cross and like misses it, and it ends up going onto Robinson's head, and that's why it looks like it's going to be a goal. But the keeper gets a very slight touch to it. Yeah. That said, is it so much of a touch that like <laughs> you know instead of hitting Robinson square in the forehead, it doesn't? It just yeah. hits him like slightly on the side of the forehead. Well, I, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Every time I've seen it, I've been thinking, well, you know, could it have put him off, keeper coming out, maybe not got a good sight mm. of it? I think he's got to score. I think I, I, I think if that were any other striker, I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'd be saying, he's got to score that. Like, he's got to. If that were just a match I were watching between two random sides. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I, it's not one of those where it's a, a fully guilt-edge miss like the Goldrichsburg where you can see it plainly. You don't know what we're happening in front of you. Unless you've seen it from Robinson's eyes, then I don't think you're ever going to get a clear view of what actually happened. But, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's a, it's a ridiculously good chance. Yeah, I, I think you may be, there may be something in what you said there about maybe he expected the goal. You know those when like, yeah. they're sort of like, oh, the, the defender just misses one and the strike it hits the strike and it's like, oh, he's got to, you've got to anticipate that he's going to miss it. And yeah. But yeah, that's, I don't think that's a, a valid defence of a mischance, to be honest, in this instance. But I, I could see that being what had happened. But obviously, the the answer is well, you know, anticipate better. You know, <laughs> protect, yeah. you know, imagine the ball isn't going to deviate very much and is going to land on your forehead. Um, so that was frustrating. Uh, we we had a little bit more nice interplay, uh, Robinson and Stevens, uh, and it gets flicked through to Robinson, who is offside. Before that, we nearly scored again, and I, and I forgot about this until I watched the highlights. But we had the Luntrum chance where he oh. hit the side netting. Oh yeah! Oh, that was a great move, wasn't it? I forgot about that. Yeah, um, I mean, he didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. To be fair, it was, it was a good bit of play, you know, and, you know, slightly more to to the right, and it's probably a goal. Yeah, that would have been a hell of a finish. I mean, he did well to get it that close. Sort of yeah, he did. Yeah, left footed on the run to actually flick it towards goal like that from a bit of an angle as well. Yeah, it was a really um, good move that. Yeah, it was. So yeah, we, you know, suddenly out of nowhere, we suddenly became this, you know, really incisive attacking force. Probably, you know, as as good a twenty minutes I'd say as we've had from an attacking perspective, pretty much all. Certainly, season. in terms of chances creative, because mm. I mean, those two chances with McGoldrick and Robinson. They, you, you know, if West Ham would have missed those chances, we'd have saying, "Whoa, we have massively got away with that there," mm. because they were proper chances. We're not just talking, you know, a shot from the edge of the area that just went wide or anything. They were guilt edge chances, really, on the surface. Anyway, completely agree. Um, so I was talking there about, uh, you know, an offside, and in this period we had six shots to West Ham's one, mm. and of course the one shot for West Ham is the goal, which comes off this offside. Um, so what happened here then? It, you know, the flag goes up for offside. The keeper picks a ball up. Um, mm. The referee correctly plays advantage. There's no, there's no debate over that. Yeah. Booming clearance towards Haller. Uh, Basham gets a sort of head on it. It runs to uh, I can't remember which of it was. Uh, to Anderson oh, or Rice. The, or the other guy. Oh, we've just mentioned him. Yeah, oh. Malenko. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yarmolenko, uh, who brings it down and plays in Snodgrass, who's got ahead of Baldock, and it's basically just Egan trying to get across and stop him, and Snodgrass slides it into the corner of the net, and yeah, from from all our you know great attacking play, uh, and you know all the all the uh, the West Ham pre-match build-up about how dangerous we were in the air and all this, they they, they end up scoring a goal basically from a booming clearance from the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, I think that's the most frustrated I've been with the goal this season just because we were on top and it was such a nothing goal and it came out of nowhere I, I really were gutted at half time I think I messaged you at half time didn't I say that's it 
<laughs> no, I, did, I, did, I really didn't fancy the second half because I didn't think West Ham would play that badly in terms of an attacking sense. And I thought, I, as I said earlier, I thought we'd ridden it out. I thought we'd ridden out our poor play. And I knew that mm. I'd give them a, a lift going in at half-time. So it really frustrating time to concede. It was. Um, I, I don't know if this was... I don't know if I'd put this in the, like... I can't believe we've conceded that category that we've had with you know some of our other goals. No, I don't think it was just a mistake. It was just how out of nowhere it were in terms of like how the how the how the play was going. We were just yeah. we were on top. We were creating chances, and it's just a nothing ball. We were at, you know, a second before we were then go on, you know, and a second later, you know, he's in the net. So yeah, that is true. Um, I thought it was really clever from uh, from Haller. Um, yeah, who, yeah puts Basham off. I mean I, I think I said this to you, it's like it's a borderline foul. I think I think if Basham falls over he gets a free kick. Um, but yeah. he you know he, he he kind of follows through with what he's doing, Basham and, and makes a header, but it's not as good a header as it would have been. So yeah, Haller just basically gives him a nudge a couple of seconds before well probably one second before Basham goes for the challenge and yeah that yeah. that really throws his balance off and it's that's clever you know I, I'm all yeah, right yeah good play good play I, that exactly yeah I'm all right with that not being a free kick I, I think if that's if that was given as a free kick I think most people would be like oh really like oh, god that's soft isn't it yeah. I think it's, if it's, it had been against us I'd have been mad so <laughs> yeah I think I think it's right on the border of what is a foul and what is just very canny striking play and yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. You know, I quite like a, a physical game of football. Um, with the VAR though, this weekend, I'm surprised he didn't overturn. He seems to have overturned every other goal. Yeah, <laughs> which is is probably a separate conversation actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the the, uh, the the high bar for decision overturning seems to have um, well fallen off by the looks of things. Yeah. What I've seen. But um, yeah, so this was. I mean, I think O'Connell was pushed up, wasn't he, at this point? You know, because <laughs> as I mentioned, it had come directly from a, a nice little move by us down the left. Um, so I did wonder if this was a rare example of you know overlapping centre backs, you know, have a word, sort it out, kind of thing. But I don't know if you can really say. That, I was, you know what? I was more annoyed with Robinson for miscontrolling it in the in that. I know he were offside, hmm. but if he'd have kept hold of the ball, controlled it, what you normally do if you're offside, you boot the ball away, don't you, to give yourself time to get back. Hmm. He's really poor touch, led it straight to their goalkeeper. Then he, he got, to be fair to their goalie, just a fantastic kick out. You know, spotted him and. Thought right, here we go. But uh, yeah, we're really disappointed with that 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 one little bit of touch from Robinson because there was no need for him to miscontrol it there. And even if he's been given offside, you boot like I say, you boot the ball away. Give you, I think Egan had a go at him as well, uh, saying something similar. I'm not. I think it was Deb Bat's match report actually where he said he saw Egan sort of calling him out. It might have not mm. been because of that. It might have been something else. But I wouldn't be surprised if it were because of that. Yeah, I wonder if you can make a case of like uh, if the flag's gone up. Um, and it's in the goalkeeper's arm. Charge the goalkeeper. Don't don't let him do that. I mean, it's. Yeah. I think we're being I'm possibly being hypercritical here, but you know, you could say like, well, just have a look and what, what does it look like in transition? They've got you know two men up the pitch against two defenders or something like that. Is you know is that a case where you just basically you know stop the goalkeeper from booting it? But I don't know. I'm probably. Yeah. Probably major, uh, major. Yeah, it's split second thing. It's easy for us to turn around now, exactly. obviously, and say we should have done this, should have done that. Mm-hmm. But I just think that bit of control, you know, even if they just blasted it miles over the ball, that they want to score. So maybe something to look at in the future, even when you're being flagged offside, keep going, you know. Yeah, indeed. Um, so that took us to half time, one nil down, um, and then yeah, I'd say we, we then went into this kind of second, uh, the third phase, I suppose, where. So as I say, in that second phase, we've been really good attacking and they basically had no threat at all. Um, after half-time, it, it, a really, really good game suddenly broke yeah. out where both teams were going for it. Both teams had good chances. 
Um, I thought we were much more open in this kind of 25 minutes, up to 70 minutes, I think, from half time. Yeah. Uh, well, basically up to the equaliser. You know, we, we got in multiple times. We created multiple good shooting opportunities. West Ham had some good opportunities on the counter as well. But just some brilliant play by us from, you know, and, and from us like moving the ball in a controlled fashion as well. You know, moving it from defence into midfield into the final third. It was it was such good football by us. And, yeah. you know, how we didn't score before we did is, um, well, frustrating to say the least, I suppose. I saw a West Ham fan. I didn't get a chance to put in the view from Sorry, after who put... I'm surprised Sheffield United scored because I'm surprised they went into our area at all because they didn't do anything all game in an attacking sense. And I was just, what? <laughs> Wait, there was that second half. We were absolutely dominating. You could have, I don't even think it was the final ball this week most of the time. It was actually the, you know, Baldock's two chances. He's got to do better with both of them, hasn't he? Yeah, it, yeah you're right. It actually was the finishing rather than chance creation. Yeah. Um, maybe that guy went for a... I don't know, a hot dog after 20 but minutes. I keep or seeing my stand fans saying we should have won five or six. Well, they had some great chances, but mm. we we had great chances as well, you know. So. It's, yeah, it's, it's straight. This is a game where I think, you know, with better finishing, I mean, it could have gone, the, the scoreline could have been like 3 0 to either, either side, really. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we could easily have scored two or three goals in these two kind of phases, if you like, <laughs> around half time. And obviously, we could have conceded a couple as well, but. Yeah, it's. I mean that that was encouraging to me the way that we were able to to you know play and actually you know for the first time in the game in this section we actually dominated play yeah. um, you know not just shots but also possession. So yeah, forty five to seventy minutes we had four shots to three, um, one hundred and thirty eight completed passes to seventy four. So you know double the possession, thirty five passes in the final third, eight take ons to two, six crosses to one, six interceptions to zero as well. We were just all phases of the ball for 25 minutes, we were just really, really excellent. And I thought Fleck in that period were unbelievable as well. Just getting the ball, he didn't do it. He didn't do that at all in the first half. No. Obviously, they'd had a word with him at half time or whatever. He was driving with it, causing loads of problems. McGoldrick's linking up. I thought Sharp made a bit of a difference, even though him himself wasn't, you know, spectacular. I just thought it were, were more of a nuisance factor than Robinson were. And I, I just felt that uh, I won't say the goal were coming, maybe because it's. I never feel a goal's coming with United. <laughs> not to be honest, not to do with Wilder or anything. Just in general, Sheffield United. But you, you know, I think if you're a neutral watching that when we scored, I think you can say, well, yeah, that's not a surprise. Yeah, I, I, I did feel like a goal was coming. To be honest, it, yeah, you know, just the, the way that we were so easily getting the ball into and around their areas with McGoldrick in area, excuse me, with McGoldrick with Fleck, who, who as you say, was. You know, he was a complete non-entity in that first half. I should actually look up his first half stats, I suppose, and I'd be curious to know how many, how many times he touched it. I'll try and do that while we're talking. But um, yeah, it, you know, Fleck in the second half, he was he was picking it up and driving at players. You know, going past multiple players as well. And yeah, we had um, the chances for Baldock. I mean, the the first one comes from a brilliant bit of play by Lundstrom, who's popped up on the left hand yeah. side. Amazing back heel, FPL god John Lundstrom, with a, <laughs> just a, a yeah perfect back heel um, into Fleck. Who then and I also I'll, I'll credit Fleck here as well because there must be some temptation to just sort of smash that across Blast goal. Across, yeah, yeah. And you know there's McGoldrick and um, Baldock coming into the box, but instead of yeah he chips the ball um, basically straight to uh, to Baldock, who has has time to take a couple of touches. He gets it on target, but it's. I don't know. It's just not a good finish at all, is it? It's, it's no. sort of waist high next to the goalkeeper. Um, as it is, the keeper made a little bit of a mess of it, and I think it's Creswell's on the line and it to push it away. Yeah, 
I mean, in defence of Bollock, it would have been difficult to score because I think they had two people back on the line by the time he'd got to shoot. So, mm. that said, the fact that the keeper made a save at all for me made it a poor shot. If it had been cleared off the line, you could have said, yeah, he did everything right. But he was straight at the goal. Like, he dropped it to make it look better than it was, really, I thought. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, six passes for Fleck in the first half, by the way, in 45 minutes, which is... Not able to get him on the ball whatsoever. No, not at all. Um, I can't remember how the second Baldock chance came about, but it was... Oh, well, I think it was Fleck again, wasn't it? He, he has, yeah, Fleck, it gets Fleck fouled. Yeah, and he got fouled and roughly played advantage, went to McGoldrick, he's played it off, and again, he's in acres of space, and you're thinking, put you know, put that across from where, where you come from, basically, you know, to the, what was it, right, left-hand side. Yeah. And he just snatches at it, and that's, yeah, that's where... We've said all for the past two seasons with Baldock, out with it. That's the one area he has to improve, and I'm not going to criticise him too much. I think he's been awesome this year. But yeah, that there are two chances that I think you know another a pre, another Premier League player have probably scored two goals from that. Yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, Stevens being one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, very, very possibly. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say about Baldock? Oh yeah, he reminded me of um, he had a similar chance against Arsenal on Monday. I think yeah, I think that was harder though. That was like he had much less time and there was a bit more pace on the ball when it came, so it kind of ran across him. But these two West Ham chances, I mean, yeah, got to do better. Um, just yeah, I mean, all three of these chances, he's absolutely blasted it. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. not gone for no sort of finesse and any place but he's just rounding it this is hard which can work you know but mm. maybe that's something to work on in the future and get a bit more composure agree yeah but that was uh the first one particularly where he had time to control it and then get the shot in i mean just yeah just a, a great chance that he wasn't able to take um we had a couple of other opportunities as well there's one where steven sort of dribbled into the box from he like popped up on the inside right and yeah he just for some reason declined to shoot i've really no idea yeah i was why. screaming at him then yeah, yeah literally. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just put your foot through it man yeah um and then obviously there were a billy sharp offside goal which was offside but again yeah. it just showed the thought that you know how much we were on top in that period well that, that is one thing i will say with baldock is we a lot of our chances in this half um came from the right hand side we yeah. you know and, and that was not always down to his crossing but his being in position to kind of link up those moves so I agree yeah. I thought might, I thought Basham used the ball better than he has done recently mm. as well I mean I think he's been decent recently but we all know that he's you know he's not in his comfort zone heading towards the area but I thought he did really well actually so he took a few plays out with him at times as well yeah no I, a bit of a mixed game for Basham uh, I, yeah, yeah he made a few mistakes defensively didn't he he did I mean there's a well you can debate whether any blame should be apportioned to him for the first goal but he he also got under a, a well a long pass in this phase of the game, uh, which led to them getting a shot, which I think Norwood actually blocked from Yarmolenko on the edge of the area. Um, they had another chance, which was a good bit of play, that led to Anderson getting a, a really good chance that uh, Henderson saved. Um, quick word on Norwood, actually. Uh, he was he was pretty poor in this one, I thought, particularly okay. with the ball. Um Worst he's played for ages. That I think it was his best game on Saturday and his worst game. Uh, sorry, on Monday and his Monday. worst game on Saturday. Yeah, he, he do, I think he just has one every couple of months, doesn't he? Of, yeah, of just like what are you doing? Like, I think I, that was definitely a big reason why we had no control in the first half because he's the pace setter and he's the one who mm. calms it down, sprays it around, gets us moving, and that just never happened. There were so many hopeful balls for him in that first half, which is really unlike him. Yeah, I think defensively he did all right. I mean, I mentioned that mm. block there and there were a couple of others as well, a couple of the tackles or just sort of breakups that he did. But yeah, it, it was one of them where I was watching it and after about 15 minutes I was like, 
what is wrong with Norwood? Is he is he got the wrong shoes on or something? Do you remember yeah. that there was that game last season where he wore like pink shoes or something? Yeah, I've written that down myself. Honestly, Birmingham game at home. Yeah, that's right. And it, I think he'd just come off. I think it was our first home game since that Villa result. You know, the four-one where we were absolutely amazing, and everyone like excited. I, I were away for the Villa game, so it, I was saying to a friend who went, "Wait, to see Norwood. You know, he's going to be." <laughs> and he just had this like appalling game, but. Mm. And I think uh, I think Wilder referenced it after that game, didn't he? Saying he's going to throw them boots in the bin or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. But but that's what it felt like. I was just I mean I, I ended up feeling sorry for him for Norwood, which is a bizarre thing. To, it's probably not the right emotional yeah. reaction to have at all. But I was just like, oh, please please stop receiving the ball. <laughs> Good yeah, things are not uh, yeah. going to happen. By the way, just on the subject of uh, Baldock, I've just on Twitter and it's just come up that he's been included in Alan Shearer's Team of the Week. Official Premier League team of the week. So what do we know? <laughs> <laughs> I always, always like Talon Shearer. Yeah, um, yeah there, there was one Norwood moment which I thought was really, just really poor, um, where he basically just ran into into a blind alley on the halfway line. It led to, it might have led to that Anderson chance actually. It yeah. definitely led to a good chance for them. It was, it was that Anderson chance and. Uh... Uh, it was funny because obviously they ran past him. If you look at him, he's just pointing everywhere as if to, yeah. right, you go there, you tackle him there. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you know, he's, uh, he's messed up. But yeah, good save from Henderson. I, I think the way he's bounced back, it's easy to overlook him. I mean, you, the saves he made, you probably could say, well, you expect him to. But with after that Liverpool mistake, he's been faultless. He's been better actually since than before, I think. It's true. He was. I thought he was absolutely brilliant in this game, actually, Henderson. Yeah, that's um, getting all. Yeah. yeah, and punching as well. I mean, because, yeah, it was absolutely hosing it down. Uh, and, yeah, you know, they weren't sort of flaps when he was going up to kind of deal with those corners. He was punching it like 40 yards away. Yeah. Um, and there were some, you know, there's, there's a save I'll come on to in a, in a bit from Creswell, which it's like, okay, it's not like a full-length dive or anything like that, but he, he came out quickly and blocked it. It's a bit like yeah. the Moyes Keane chance for Everton. Yeah, yeah. Ago. Um, but, yeah, this, this Norwood moment, I mean, the thing that annoyed me most was it was so obvious, like, as soon as he got it and he had a touch, I mean, you could hear, um, you could hear Pellegrini going, Felipe, Felipe, is in, go and press him, go and press him. Yeah. <laughs> and and he did and won it and off they went and it was just like, oh, you know, if if the manager can see that, you know, yeah. why are you not seeing it? Please. And he took him off, didn't he? Not, self, not too long after that. He did. So Sharp and Moussa come on for Robinson and Norwood. Uh, McGoldrick dropped into midfield or uh, you know as a number 10 which I, I thought was quite interesting so I don't feel like I've seen that so far I oh, know he did against Leicester I think when we brought McBurney on um, to good effect possibly a Chelsea away as well actually but he did against Chelsea yeah he did because they brought Moose and we obviously kept Robinson on as well so yeah um, but again value McGoldrick I thought he was you know he was very much in the game at that point, and he was keep you know helping us to to link play. Uh, West Ham brought on Lanzini for Anderson, uh, ostensibly to I thought to give them a bit of cover down the left because mm. uh, down their left I should say where we're getting yeah. a lot of joy. Uh, but as it he happens, got a lot of criticism actually when he came on from their fans on the forums and stuff saying that he was just too weak and just they, they were saying that like, he's not got the uh, the the energy or aggression for for the Premier League. Mm. Well, it's funny. I I actually really like him as a player, Lanzini. Yeah, he's obviously a really good player. Yeah, yeah. But um, but as it happens, that you know the goal came down that side. Um, Bulldog puts him across. Sharp uh, challenges for a header. It sort of uh, ricochets around a bit. Stevens lays it off to Musa, who kind of inexplicably chooses to volley it into the corner of the net. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just a very strange decision to shoot. I think, but uh, I'm, I'm very glad he did. I mean. The, it's the, the record he has now with us 
I mean, it's th- three yeah. goals in 199 minutes of Premier League football. So, you know, you know when we signed him and he was the worst strike, worst signing of the summer, and three three goals in 58 Premier League games for Bournemouth in three years. Well, yeah. Well, this t- is it. If we're going to do misleading stats, he's now scored three in one game, so <laughs> or four if you count the Chelsea. I'm going to count the Chelsea one because I'm I'm in in the misleading mood. So. <laughs> Four in one game. <laughs> yeah, but you cannot argue with that uh, that goal minutes per goal ratio. Um, and yeah, he just, I mean, and his goals are getting us points as well. I mean, all right, the Everton one, it's, well, you don't know how that game shakes out if we don't get a second goal with like 10 minutes yeah. to go. Like, that, you know, they could have kept going and pressed and actually got an equaliser. But yeah, Arsenal three points, this one, one point out of nothing. And yeah. it's it was just a fantastic finish. I mean, the difficulty in that skill to volley it into the corner. It's not, I don't think he's even facing the goal, is he? It was just... No. It, I, I've been watching it since and I still think it's going wide. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I watch it. I mean, our stream went down we were watching it on about 10 seconds before, only for like a second and I reload it. And it's just as Baldock's going down and it went in. It was just so surreal because we'd just switched it on, we'd scored. It was such a weird goal. It went in like slow motion into mm. the net. But yeah, sort of like pause before celebrating. <laughs> the uh, the commentator, was, he was saying the goalkeeper probably should have done better. Yeah, I disagree with that. I think it bounced a few times in front That's of him. Right in the corner as well. Um, yeah. and, and also, as I said, it's like it's such a weird decision to shoot. I can't, I can't mm. believe the goalkeeper's like, oh crap, the guy's going to shoot as soon as he gets this ball. <laughs> You'd be mad to expect that, I think. But... Yeah, a, a technically brilliant finish. It's his third goal in, I don't know, like just very few appearances, basically. Okay. Yeah, I think it took him about five or six minutes to, <clears throat> to get it. And yeah, he's becoming, um, he's becoming an excellent signing for I us. I love that bit of pace he showed as well, do you know, in the mm. second half where I think Sharp were completely on his own. I mean, obviously Sharp, Sharp's not the quickest. I, I've said this like every podcast, I'm going to get hammered, aren't I? Again? <laughs> every time Sharp, yeah. Yeah, but he's obviously he's not the sort of person to run with the ball at least anyway. And you think, well, there's no options, but just win a throw in or something. And then he just comes flying down, like yeah. down the wing and stuff. I mean, I think he, I think Lundstrom ends up losing it in the end, but you know, it could have led to another chance. Yeah, easily. No, yeah, you're right. He's, he's not even in the picture um, when <laughs> yeah. Sharp's got that ball, and then suddenly, uh, suddenly, oh look, here comes the moose. Just say like, almost comically fast compared to yeah. people trying to keep up to him. So, We've yeah. got nobody else, and I don't think many teams have got anyone with that amount of pace, to be honest. No, and and as he's showing, is um, you know, it's not just pace. He's he's no. getting in the right positions. He's finishing brilliantly, and uh, yeah, good uh, good for him and good for us. Um, so that was about the seventieth minute. It's one all. Uh, as I say, we comfortably our best spell of the game. We we look great in every every aspect of the game. All right, we're a little bit open, made a couple of mistakes in possession, but you know, generally on top possession wise, carving out really good chances. I mean, after all the, I mean, let's be right, we missed some pretty simple chances, and then we score what is a you know, really really difficult one, which is yeah yeah is both pleasing and frustrating, I suppose. Um, <laughs> But yeah, then, then we moved into the kind of what I would say is like the final phase of the game immediately after the equaliser, and we just seemed to. Well, I don't know. I don't know whether we shut up shop or whether West Ham suddenly came on strong and we couldn't really do anything about it because it's not a stretch to say at all that West Ham could easily have got a winner in yeah. those last twenty minutes. I was disappointed with that last fifteen minutes, to be honest. Yeah, I was as well. So uh, just uh, let me just hit you with some quick stats. So seventy minutes, to the end of the game. 
Uh, West Ham, six shots to zero. Three big chances mm-hmm. in 20 minutes to zero. 113 completed passes to 33. 24 in the attacking third to 13. 11 crosses to two. So they just completely dominated us in the last 20 minutes. And yeah, yeah it could easily easily have scored. I mean, there's a, a great... I think it was Yarmolenko chipped that great ball over the top of our defence. Yeah, brilliant ball, yeah. Creswell's completely unmarked. Um, and Henderson, fortunately, makes a really good, good, smart bit of goalkeeping. Yeah, stood um, up as well, which is good at standing up until, you know, don't just dive in, does he? He's very good at that, yeah. Uh, Rice had a long-range shot, saved... Um, Huge chance late on um, with I think it was Lanzini actually crossed from the right, didn't he? And it yeah. goes right across the face of goal, pretty much you know, pretty much along the goal line almost. And uh, Snodgrass slides in at the far post, and fortunately, just uh, hits it into the post rather than uh, into the net. I was um, really frustrated because I thought we'd done all that work to get back into it, and mm. we looked like we could cause problems. And I know you're not going to go gung- as gung ho when you've got your equaliser, but. We just sort of reverted back to the beginning of the first half. And whether yeah. we're just tired, whether they just put that much effort in and they just thought, right, we're just going to sit in. I, I really don't know. But I, I don't think the game was necessarily there for the taking or anything like that. But I think we can, can count ourselves pretty lucky not to concede in that last 15 minutes. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that's a good point you've raised there. The fatigue potentially is playing a part at that point. Mm. I mean, because as, as you said uh, much earlier, you know, we... So much effort into that Arsenal game. Yeah. We had to defend almost the entire second half. Yeah, we didn't get. I mean, obviously, you're running around more because we didn't have much of the ball in the second half at all against Arsenal. We didn't have much of the ball at all against West Ham in the first half. So it takes its toll. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. It's, it's the it's the fact it was so obviously like a switch of the flow of the game from mm. the moment we scored for the rest of the game. There wasn't like we had another ten minutes of. Where we're on top, we're continuing to play like we have been doing, and yeah, we're literally you know, we're... a switch. Like, you're right, yeah, that's yeah. So, it was so... like someone had flicked it to defensive mode. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, as I said, we literally did not have another shot for the end for the rest of the game, um, and West Ham obviously did. Um, so yeah, fatigue probably playing a part, but I don't know if that was uh, a tactical ploy. But anyway, the um, I, I think I said this to you uh, over over text actually. This was the first time this season, I think, where I did actually feel we were going to concede mm. while we were kind of in this protect mode. Because against Everton, I thought we were fine. Uh, against Arsenal, uh, and I know we're defending a lead in those games, but the principle's kind of the same. We, we clearly yeah. said we're, we're all right with the point. We'll take that. Yeah. But, but yeah, this this worryingly was the first time I thought we're going to concede. And yeah, big, big sigh of relief when the full-time whistle blew for me, Definitely. I think. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's two bits of game management. We I think I know what's coming up. <laughs> I'll, I'll deal with the comical one first, which is uh, Ender Stevens with the karate kick yeah, to get a, uh, get a yellow card um, and, and stop a breakaway. Now, I love that. I'm, I'm I, all for I, yeah, that. Yeah, delighted with it. I think that's exactly what we should have done against Southampton. We would have probably been sat here with another point on the board. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's not quite in the category of uh, Gwendouzi's rugby tackle. Yesterday. No, that were that were, <laughs> that were remarkable. <laughs> but again, he didn't get sent off. Sahar's going through. You know, mm. he's took one for the team, hasn't he? I think we need to change the rules on that personally. I Something think that, needs to happen because I although think that should be a red card. although I'm glad Stevens did it, and I, and I can't blame Gwendouzi yet. Yesterday. It is complete cheating. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I I really agree. I mean, Stevens is. You cannot make a case that he is trying 
to get the ball and has fouled him. No. He's about five yards away and he manages to sort of dive in and clip the guy while the because the guy's taking a touch of the ball's out of his feet. Um, yeah, I, I think if that happens against us, I'm I'm absolutely doing my nut. So, yeah. yeah I, 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 I if it happens be... against us, you, some of our fans would be saying, you know, oh, that's what Premier League players, bit of a... Uh, what's the word? Yeah, the dark arts and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So, yeah, so I, I'm I was delighted he did it at the time. I can tell you that. <laughs> well done, Stephen. Really. Yeah. So that that was yeah that that was ultimately smart and, and within the rules up to the point where you just get a yellow card. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that essentially closed the game out actually. But there, there was something that happened before this which I did not enjoy. No. Um, we won a corner. Uh, I think it was about the ninety-first minute. I'm pretty sure we'd just gone into stoppage time. And uh, it's like, great, here's a chance for us to win a game that we have very much contested, that we've created chances in, where West Ham have looked a little bit shaky at the back. Yeah, uh, especially off set pieces as well. Off set pieces, absolutely. The McGoldrick chance in the first half came from O'Connell, you know, winning a you know, winning a contested header. You know, he just basically out-muscled their defender to get it And he got an header in the second half. I think it had been flagged offside. In the first half, sorry, I think it had been flagged offside off flex free kick, mm. which he headed straight, McGoldrick headed straight at the goal Oh, kick. that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we got this corner, like, great, let's go and get three points. You know, it's a corner, what's the big deal? You know, it's not like we're committing everyone up the pitch, although the centre-backs did go forward. This is the most annoying thing for me, but carry on. <laughs> and instead of doing anything with it, we play it short to sharp, who keeps it in the corner. He wins another corner. We play it short to sharp, who tries to run the clock down in the corner. There's three minutes left. I hated this. I absolutely yeah. hated it. Um, I'm delighted that West Ham did not get a winning goal and... Maybe you can say, well, the the end justifies the means on this one, but I don't think that... he did because they did actually break. They did have another chance after that, didn't they, with the long ranger that just went wide? Yeah, Yarmolenko put one just yeah. wide, didn't he? Um, uh, what what was going through your head when we did that? I was furious, to be honest. <laughs> I really was. I was... <laughs> what I couldn't understand is the centre backs going up. You think, well, yeah. Connell's going up, Egan's going up. We're going to have a go at this. And then to do what we did, I thought it was like the worst of both worlds because mm. we'd pushed everybody up. Not everybody, but, you know, we'd, we'd put us centre-halves up. But we didn't... There was no reason for him to be there if we were just going to do that. There, was, there seemed to just be a complete lack of man- game management in that. The, no communication, almost. Why have Egan and O'Connell up if you've got no indica- a- a- intention at all of putting it into the into the box? I just thought it was really weird. I've not seen us do it before when we've been drawing any game under Wilder. I don't understand where it came from. I don't know if it were the plays. Maybe, like I said before, maybe the plays were just knackered. Mm. And, you know, they just wanted to see that game out. I'm really, really not sure. You, it's easy for a fan to criticise, but, yeah, I didn't like watching that. And uh, I actually said, I guess it's a service right if we concede here, but mm. I obviously didn't want us to. And, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't like it. I'm the same as you. I think if it had been the 94th minute, you know, and there's like 30 yeah. seconds left. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe then you can say, well, what have you got to lose? You know, final whistle's about to blow. I don't. Why push Egan and O'Connell? I don't get that at all. If we're mm. going to just hold it, there's no reason for them to be there. Yeah. It was It was weird. I've got to say, it's weird. I imagine if you're in neutral watching that game, you'd be raising your eyebrows like, really? That's kind of out of... I think it was just out of character with... That's it. Not only us generally, but how we'd played the game. I, I don't know. I didn't like it. I, don't I, don't, understand, I, see, I understand the West Ham point of view when they were saying they, went, they, they came for a point. We obviously did. I mean, and that just sort of sums it up. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when you get a chance at the end like that against a team who obviously the confidence is not the greatest anyway, they've missed a lot of chances themselves. So they'll be thinking, whoa, this could go. This could be the, you know, the ultimate sucker punch. To not yeah. put it in the box and have a go. I mean, 
I understand the break, you know, the break situation and stuff like that, but we've not been hit on the break through the rest of the game, other than that one clearance, obviously. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was weird, and I didn't like it. But we got a good draw, which ultimately looked like you know two two decent mid table teams uh, going at each other trying to win the game. Uh, I was and- surprised West Ham fans saying it was boring. To be honest, I don't know if that was just a bit of sour grapes because they. Obviously dropped to lead. They said it was just a really boring game, and I, I didn't second half. I thought it was a really exciting game. Yeah, I think they must have seen some pretty decent games this season. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So either that, or we've just seen some really boring ones. We obviously did see it against Watford. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, let's take a quick break, and then uh, we'll come back with uh, some other things about this game. All right, a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. First of all, let me hit you with a question. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? I know it sounds extremely good to me. Well, the good folk at Beer52 are offering just that to BladesPod listeners. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash bladespod, sign up and cover just the £4.95 for postage. They will send you a case of eight free beers. And these aren't just any beers. Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer. They're on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. So if, like me, you like trying something new when it comes to your beer, Beer 52 is definitely the one for you. Beer 52, don't hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. So sign up today, get your free case of craft beer. You can get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the number's 52.com slash bladespod. Thanks very much, and now back to the pod. All right, so I wanted to just quickly wrap up this West Ham game then with, uh, with some things that we learned from the game. So... Yeah, be, here's a few things that kind of sprang to mind for me, certainly. So my, my first thing that I learned from this game, I learned why people hype up Declan Rice so much. Yeah. Um, this is the first time, I've probably seen him, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 times for West Ham and England, and I just don't get it. I don't, I don't I, but, you know, prior to this game, I've never really understood what kind of a player he is. I don't, <sighs> it, it just doesn't seem to have any outstanding qualities whatsoever. And obviously he's... Highly thought of enough to be starting for England. Um, like the Man United. Mind you, everyone is, I think, at the moment. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Um, but yeah, I've got to say, I thought he was um, I thought he was comfortably West Ham's best player and probably by extension the, the best player on the pitch, to be honest. Yeah. Um, well, I agree with your sort of thing of that I've never really seen the hype about him at all. But I did see him away at Villa when West Ham played away at Villa when they went down to 10 men. And I thought once they went down to 10 men, he were excellent. Sort yeah. of running about, getting about players and stuff like that. I think what the problem is when he plays for England is he plays with Jordan Henderson and they're very similar. Mm. Yes. Uh, and I don't think it's his, I don't think he gets to do what he's good at in terms of because Henderson's sort of doing it, you know, that sort of defensive midfield role. But everyone were raving about Snodgrass, who I thought were excellent as well. But I did think Rice was the best player in the park, and I think you've got to give him a shout out for that. Uh, do you know when uh, Baldock went down? Uh, sorry, mm. Baldock went in for a challenge. Yes. The referee booked him, and Rice was straight up to the referee saying, "Don't book him," you know, or or, or don't send him off at least. He was saying, you huh. know, it were a fair challenge. He just mistimed it. There was nothing malicious about it, and yeah, fair play to him to that. I really respect him for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was don't book him, you know, because he, he he sort of like made a like, oh, I can't believe you've done that gesture after the ref had booked mm. him. Um, I gotta say, I thought Baldock was going to get sent off watching that in real time. It, it looked it looked a bit late. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to get sent off this season, Baldock. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I yeah. think there's a few challenges, which I don't mind. I don't mind him being aggressive at all. If he gets sent off, he gets sent off. It's not a criticism of him, but yeah, I think that he does go in quite hard at some points, doesn't he? Yeah, but yeah, Rice. I thought that was really, really good. Most, you know, even just just sort of with the eye test, but most passes completed on the pitch, uh, most take ons completed for West Ham. Uh, two out of four tackles, which is the most for them as well. He, he just, he was just sort of the man picking up the ball constantly, moving it on. He got a good long range shot in as well that uh, yeah. Henderson made a decent save from. And yeah, I, I, I get the hype. That was that was my first uh, first time I've watched Declan Rice and thought I now understand why people are kind of bigging him up. So fair play. And yeah, as you say, you know, a, a lot of respect for uh, for how he handled that bulldog foul. Um, what about you? Anything uh, anything you learned particularly from this game? Um... Ballant needs to work on his finishing. <laughs> uh, but I, what I'll say for we've talked about him a lot, but my hope with Baldock is seeing how much Stevens has improved in the past two years. Mm. Baldock's younger than Stevens. He is. So he's got a lot of time to improve. And I think he's almost there, isn't he? He really is on the cusp of being a proper, you know, decent premiership wing back. Uh, uh, you know, at someone who mm. could pretty much get into any mid table side Baldock. It's just that final, final third. And I, th- I find it quite exciting that. He's he's hopefully going to develop that with us. I mean, he's been yeah. consistent now for three seasons. Really, he's not had many bad games. He's always put you know a, a decent performance in, but it's just that final third. And my hope is Stevens has improved that side of his game immeasurably since he's come in. So yeah, I'm quite excited for him to. He needs to work on it, but he's almost there for me. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, because we, we've obviously. Uh... Well, not not laid into him, but certainly highlighted a deficiency on this podcast. But I, I think he's been great all season. You know, mm. I, I certainly think he's in that kind of uh, seven and a half, eight out of ten. If I had to give him a rating for his season so far, definitely, he, yeah. The and only he looks thing... like a Greek god as well, doesn't he? So it's <laughs> <laughs> just always good. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just uh, please do work on your finishing. I did see actually. Um, I think it was on Instagram. He posted saying like, you know, good good point today. P.S. Yes, I need. I know I need to work on my finishing. So, <laughs> so fair play. Is, uh, I think is... he won't be with us if if he could finish because he'd be one of the best right wing backs in the league. I really think he's got it all. He's pacey yeah. enough. He's aggressive. He's decent with the ball. He's not. His final ball's not the greatest, but he, in terms of technique and you know getting hold of the ball and running with it, he looks comfortable. Yeah. I find it incredible that it was just last year that we were talking about Freeman possibly being better. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was a genuine. It was a genuine debate last season, but he did go to. Yeah another level I mean if he does so out his finishing I mean he could easily get five goals for us this season just the the positions that he gets into and the way that we you know create those overloads I think he's only ever scored two for us and that's a bad record for someone who gets forward as well as he does it is you're right can you uh, can you remember who those goals are against Uh, Swansea and Sunderland oh yeah yeah I remember the Sunderland one that one boxing day when I forgot yeah Swansea were the first game of the season yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well remembered. Um, another thing I learned from this game, or possibly the last thing, actually, uh, Robert Snodgrass really likes playing against us. Mm. Uh, he uh, is he the new Bradley Dack of like inexplicably brilliant against? Us? I think it was his first goal in some like twenty-two league games for, for them. I'm convinced he's the best player in the world, but people in Sheffield just don't get to see it. They, they blank him out for some reason. He's actually messy, but. <laughs> You know, they put Messi's face on over Snodgrass because he's absolutely amazing, isn't he? Every single time. He's not just sort of 
having a decent game. He's like, oh, you're the man of the match every time you play, or he does something brilliant every time you play. Yeah, so he was, where was he last season? He was at West Ham, wasn't he? He was at West Ham um, the year before he was at Villa, weren't he? At Villa the year before, yeah. But it was a, I think he was a bit of a bit part player for West Ham last season. Yeah. Start, from what, I, every time I see him, I just think start him every week. I just think he's I, a, I know he's not well liked by people due to his antics and people say he dives and what have you. I'd have him in any, any day at week at Sheffield United, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was over the moon when he got subbed off. I mean, I know there were only about, five, only about three or four minutes left or something like that, but... I was like, oh, thank God for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. out there. So yeah, I don't know if a United fans like run over his cat or something, but it just it just always puts in an absolute shift against us. And I think he does against Wednesday as well. I remember last season. Does he? But the season that what must have been the season before. Where, oh no, last season when they won four two at Hillsborough, and I think he got. Oh, well, it must have been the season before because you're playing for Villa, Villa. obviously. Oh, and I remember, yeah, my, I remember talking to a Wednesday fans. Stockgrass were amazing. It's like, oh, yeah, he is against us. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I quite like him to be honest. I, I, yeah. I'd really be uh, interested in him coming to coming to the lane. I think he'd be a sort of player personally as well in terms of his work ethic and stuff. Yeah, very potentially. Uh, anything else to talk about uh, West Ham wise? We managed to talk. The about only Bessic in there that that's the only the first time we've seen him uh, in a league game. Uh, I think he did all right. Did nothing wrong. Did a decent run to get us up the pitch at one mm. point. Well. Obviously, you can't really tell in ten minutes, but yeah, fair play to him. Yeah, he had some slightly weird body language where I thought he was like bent double, like hands yeah, on his like, knees, yeah, and then suddenly but... he'd just sprint twenty meters. <laughs> like, oh, okay. He's faster <laughs> than I thought, actually. Yeah, there is that run you mentioned. He he properly sort of glides away from whoever's trying to keep up with him. That was, yeah, yeah, quite encouraging. I can um, see why Wilder likes him just because you can see just from that ten minutes the effort he put in. I mean, yeah. they were almost running around like a, an idiot, weren't he? <laughs> time, just sort of, just jogging yeah. all over the place and stuff. So, but yeah, yeah, I thought I I've got a bit of more faith in him than the other people with sort of not more not written off, but you know the the, the League Cup team, shall we say? I yeah. thought, I think he can offer us a little bit more. I think he'll. My surprise and be a bit of a steady player. Hopefully, yeah. Um, I think the only other thing is, uh, please get Moussa fit. Please, 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 please. Um, you know, I mentioned those three goals in 199 minutes. You know, he's still averaging less than 30 minutes per appearance at the minute. Obviously, only yeah. one start as well. Um, uh, while the mentioned afterwards, you know, he he wasn't good to start this game. He wasn't fit enough to start this game, and. You know, even at the end of this, he still looked like he was blowing a little bit after about twenty-five minutes of football. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, is, as he said, Wilder, you know, it's a, it is da- it's down to him. It's down to our conditioning team to get him up to a stage where you know we can get seventy, eighty minutes out of him. Because yeah, I, I, he he has to start. If he's, if there's no questions about his fitness, he's starting every single game at the minute. It's so. him and McGoldrick every time, isn't it? At the moment, I think that they're they're the two. Although McGoldrick misses chances, his overall play's been better than everyone else's. So. Yeah, yeah, those those two those two have to start. Just a few stats that my mate sent me actually yesterday as well, mm. which might give people a bit of hope about surviving and stuff. Is it took Cardiff sixteen games to get one point more than we currently have. Mm. It took Fulham twenty games to get one more point than we currently have, and it took Huddersfield twenty eight games to get one more point than we currently have. Yeah, we we're three points short of um, Huddersfield's total for the whole of last season. So I mean, I, I do know that was a particularly poor year for the three relegated sides, but at the same time. Considering people said we were going to be this year's Cardiff or mm. the in boys, I think we've got to give credit to to how well we've actually started this. That it's a really good points tally from the ten games we've had as well. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, very very happy with this point, uh, even if the end of the game was slightly frustrating. Um, all right, let, let's do the uh, let's do our alternative man of the match. Then it's, uh, it's it's time for that. If you're ready, 
Yeah, I'm definitely ready. <laughs> nice. So, Denblade's alternative man of the match is brought to you as the name suggests by the Denblade's fanzine, which is a sponsor of this podcast. Like the fanzine, this is an award intended to shine a light on something that may not always get the mainstream attention it assuredly deserves. So, who do you want to nominate this week? I'm going to go for my Columbia shirt again. Your because Columbia I wore it shirt. again, and we didn't lose again. I'm going to be wearing it for the first time in a live game, in a live setting next Saturday at Burnley. So, we'll see how much power it's got. But I'm going to go for it again. I'm not going to take it off every time we play now until we lose. <laughs> <laughs> have to get it, have to get it painted on. I think, but I don't point. want, I don't want it to win. This alternative man of the match because I think that might tempt fate a little bit. Ooh. I think I've given it too much credit, you know. So bit of uh, bit of vote fixing there, but yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna have to give it. I'm gonna have to give it. It's it's become a proper ritual. Like I didn't even go to the Arsenal game last week. I came in from work straight in Arsenal shirt on one nil. What were you worried about? So. <laughs> <laughs> um, we may need to have a serious discussion about whether you're overusing the power of the Columbia shirt. I am worried. My mate said to me actually yesterday, because you can't wear it at a home game. You've never wore it at home. I goes, mm. you've got to give it a try. I've got to, you know, just just wear it as long as I can. What, what, then... if it's, what if it's got a finite amount of power and we're using it on Burnley at home I never in thought October or early November? I think I should save it for starting them away. Maybe. I'll possibly. wear it. I'll wear it. And if it's a poor result or a poor performance, I'll refrain from using it up until, you know, the the big games. Yeah. But yeah, it, 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 it did the job this weekend. I appreciate yeah. that. Whatever happens, I, I do £10 appreciate £10 and we've got loads of points from it. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, I'm going with a, a, a bit of a cheat here, but it's a nomination that was put to me on Twitter by uh, Dave Beniston. And I thought it was a cracking shout, actually. Alternative man of the match this week, Bramall Lane. I knew for... you were going to say that. As you were building it up, I thought, <laughs> I know where this is going, yeah. Bramall Lane, for not being the London Stadium, mm. is a very good shout for uh, alternative man of the match this week. Um, and, and I think we just use this as a, a point just to talk a little bit about West Ham generally. I mean, that chant of you're not West Ham anymore is is savage. That is, I was like almost wincing when I deciphered that one Um, so I guess I have to ask the question do we feel sorry for West Ham I think to a degree I've got no problems really with West Ham at all I I, I don't like the media hype of them and the you know you put talk sport on and it's like the 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 greatest ever team you know I mean there seems to be a lot more attention about West Ham than they does for other similar mid-table clubs such as Everton and stuff but I do feel sorry for him in the sense that I think they're in this sort of mid-table limbo land at the moment same as Everton I've been for for a long time but I think where Everton have still got their club, Upton Park was probably the best thing about West Ham for me. Mm. The atmosphere there, the football, the history of all that sort of stuff. It felt like a proper ground. It, it, it very much like Bramall Lane, you know. And the area as well, the surrounding area. Exactly that, yeah. And I, I'd read on their forum, and I don't know, they were saying that their their pub where you could never go before a match if you're an away fan. Mm. Well, full of Sheffield United fans, and they said like, although they don't like condone violence or anything. That was just another example of what's been taken away from them. They don't, because it's so far away, obviously, from where they were originally were, they mm. haven't even got their own pubs anymore. I mean, maybe it'll come with time, but... I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't look like... a sta- We all know the problems with the stadium. It's Looking at the fan video, I watched Travelling Blades' video yesterday, and, uh, it, it, you know, he may as well have been sat with me at home because it's that far... <laughs> he, didn't know, he really didn't know any of, you know, who had the ball or... He said he only could recognise Henderson because he was in orange. <laughs> yeah. 
but the and, rest uh, of them were so far away. And I think it's not just that though for the stadium. It's the the whole thing about the club. It just seems it doesn't seem like West Ham at all. People move stadiums, and but this is not the West. The West Ham are like a working class bit of a tough club, aren't they? That, that's mm. how they perceived, and they just don't seem like it anymore. The bubbles thing before is a bit weird to me as well, but. Yeah, I, I don't know that. That was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see what's going on. Stop it. Yeah. Um, we don't throw I mean, chip it... butties on the pit. We should do it, maybe. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw chip butties on, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe people should throw chip butties to us. That'd be, that'd be better, actually. Yeah, that'd be good. When the, when the players come out. Um, but, I mean, I, I sent you that link, of uh, which I, I think I saw on the S2 forum, which is like, it, it was from uh, from one of the West Ham forums, basically. Mm. And all right, it's not representative of every West Ham fan. Uh, obviously, you, you will you will know that better than uh, the most yeah. people on the internet. I suppose. But to be but, honest, they all hate it. They all. I've not. I didn't see one. I went on four different forums and Twitter for the view from the past, like two view froms, and I didn't see anybody sticking up or arguing with people who said they hate the current setup in terms of you know where they're situated. Mm. I don't know how you can like it. I mean, I've been to the Olympic Stadium probably like six or seven times, never for football. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's good to go to for baseball, athletics, which I've been to it for. You know, it's, it, it kind of works for that. But the match-going experience that you get at Bramall Lane to return to the original point is, yeah. is just so vastly different. And, yeah, I, I, do, I do feel a bit sorry for them. You know, I, I, we, you know, as I said last week, I mean, West Ham to me are... Not really any different to to Burnley in terms of uh, you know animosity stakes. No, or, I agree. Like, like I guess emo- emotional investment stakes, if you like. It's just another Premier League team to me, and um, yeah, this was uh, this was weird. But I sent you that link to the forum, and uh, what was it you said? I think you said you, it's the most depressed you've been since you dropped your phone down a manhole. Having yeah, it. yeah, that did happen. Yeah, I fell I fell down a manhole, and uh, it's just massive uh, sort of. Uh, Going off on a tangent here, but yeah, I did fall down a manhole and I lost my iPhone that I'd only had about two weeks. So, oh, one of the worst days of my life. It was very, I didn't, I, w- I was quite drunk and I slipped, as it were, I say, fell down the manhole. And that's, yeah, and I've not been that depressed, I don't think, until you sent me that thing about how depressed West Ham fans were. And it was just, it was like that. Have you ever seen Father Ted when the Radiohead song comes on in the background? As he's like, it just reminded me of that. But. <laughs> Oh, so um, yeah, I think I think uh, it's a great shout from uh, from Dave on Twitter. Um, I think I think Bramall Lane. This you know this is a this is a week to be thankful for uh, <laughs> what we have on the everyday match going experience. I mean, I always bang on about how I think Bramall Lane must be one of the best away trips. Yeah. Um, I've, I've probably said this millions of times on the pod, but it's close to the station. It's an easy walk. There's so many pubs. There's a lot of really good pubs. Town centre, um, obviously. Town centre, exactly. You don't need to get on a tram to the you know back end of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, for a, for a certain other stadium. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a great show. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Bramall Lane yeah, this week. Uh, I as agree much with as that. I respect the power of the Columbia shirt. Let's not let's not give the Columbia shirt too much uh, <laughs> too much praise. <laughs> too much yet. juice just yet. So it's unbeaten this season. Season, but we'll see. Yeah. So congratulations to Bramall Lane. Yeah. Uh, winner of this week's Demblaze Alternative Man of the Match. Pick up your copy of the fanzine from demblaze.co.uk. Issue 3 is currently available. It is 86 pages of insight, analysis, and self deprecation. Uh, looking at things like what's the crack with our academy and what has Chris Wilder and a KGB spy got in common. Um, there's also a column from Kevin Gage and some brilliant artwork from local artists and designers. Uh, I can't recommend it enough, yeah, as always. I've just, them... it, just finished it. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, another brilliant, uh, what's the word, edition. Yeah, I'm, I'm still working my way through it, actually. I've, I've not got much free time at the minute, annoyingly. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an enjoyable read and... 
and and view, I suppose, with the artwork particularly. Um, so yeah, pick, head over to denblaze.co.uk and uh, and check it out. Right, let's uh, let's wrap up this week by talking about Burnley. Who we play next? Now, I, I kind of put it to you. Um, you know, give me your give me your memories of Burnley because I had this. I have like a total blank over Burnley. I I, I don't know what on earth happened. I, I genuinely. <laughs> It took me about twenty minutes to remember we lost him in a playoff final. Yeah, just—I don't know why. I just have a complete. It's understandable. Of... It was out of all the playoff finals, I think that was probably the worst of them all in terms of performance for us. Although we got hammered by Wolves three 0 we actually created loads of chances in that match. That, I don't think we had a shot in the Burnley game. Hmm. No, uh, and just the, uh, the red cards from from our buddy Mike Dean. Lee Andrew got sent off after full time, I think, didn't he? That yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah Imo got sent off as a sub, two handballs, I think it was, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it was, yeah, that was strange. But yeah, and they, beat he... us, they beat us three times that season, which it normally goes the other way. You know, normally if you beat a team twice in a play in the in the league, when it comes to the playoffs, Leeds and Derby are a good example of that, you'll lose in the playoffs, but not United. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm trying to think what our other ones were. Uh, Wolves, we definitely beat them We beat away. them away and drew at home with Wolves. Yeah. Palace, I think we did the double over him. I think yeah, we beat him like yeah. six weeks before or something like that. Yeah, Uddersfield we lost away and won at home. That's the only time we've got into one where we've lost both. You're thinking, I could turn out. No. But yeah, any, uh, any particular memories of uh, Burnley? I have a personal memory of seeing Stephen Quinn in a pub a few days before we played Burnley. And my mate were a bit drunk. Telling him, telling him to get Beatty off free kicks because Beatty had been taking some like we were our free kick taking. He'd been been crap for a while basically. And he goes, get him off, get him up, get him off free kicks. And like Quinn were just like laughing basically, just trying to get away. And then two <laughs> days later, we uh, lost three two to him. We were actually in that playoff thing, but Quinn scored a free kick. So <laughs> I remember it. Well, like, text it. That's my goal. That's my goal. Like, I told him. <laughs> Like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so that's my main. When I think of Burnley, I always think of that game. But nice. The uh, yeah the. Own... <sighs> I should have. I can't actually work out how many times I've in person seen Burnley, but I, I think it's less than four. Certainly, the the only other one I can actually remember is um, in the year we got promoted. Uh, it was the second game of the season. Went to Turf Moor on one two one. I seem to remember Akin Bay getting a load of abuse in that game for some reason. I think he scored uh, in that game. He well. did score late on, but I feel like I don't know if he missed a sitter or something. He missed a sitter in the home game against us. Uh, that's one of the memories that I've got written down when you asked me to think some oh, memories. He, 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 I was at that. Yeah, we won three nil, and I think it was two nil, and he missed an absolute sitter about a yard out. They later obviously signed for us that season. Yeah, well, I remember. I forgot that he was playing for them at that point, but um, I remember. United fans all singing, don't you wish you were a blade or something like that. Um, I think he took it quite well. I think he was sort of doing a bit it, of a dance I, to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember he had a bit of a grin and sort of, yeah, was, was looking at the crowd as he was getting it. And then, yeah, of course, we ended up uh, ended up signing him either that season or the next season, I think it was, wasn't it? What was that? Uh, yeah, with that season, yeah. With, with that, that January. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we'll assign him in January, I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah. Akin, bad boy, bless him. He, he, got a he goal scored against Wednesday. He's, he, we've had yeah. worse. Uh, Jeff Horsfield, for instance, were <laughs> much worse that season. Um, I, I can't. We can't really let uh, Burnley United go go by. And you mentioned it earlier that a little bit of a rivalry between the two teams, but this this rivalry stemmed and I think has ended entirely with uh, with the two managers of, of you know quite a while there. So Stan Turnant was the Burnley manager and Neil Warnock was the United manager. And, these two did not like each other at all. Um, I did a bit of research this afternoon because I, I couldn't quite remember what had happened. Um, 
there's a line in Warnock's autobiography where he says he wouldn't uh, well urinate on him if he was on fire <laughs> about Stan Turnan. Um but I've got to read this which is from Stan the Man A Hard Life in Football which is Turnant's autobiography uh, Turnant accused Warnock of dispatching a spy to listen in on his team talk an incident that led to a punch up in the referee's room um, at half time we were one goal down and as I was asking how much my players wanted it I thought I heard a noise on the other side of an emergency door I motioned for them to keep quiet and launched myself into a two-footed kung fu kick against the door. It exploded outwards and I saw a figure scurry away. I then took one of my players to see the referee and show him a wound. don't know what that's about. And, and heard a voice behind me say, Come off it, Stan. You are always at it. I turned to see Warnock's number two, Kevin Blackwell, and I shouted, Let's have it now. I ran up, smacked him in the face and nutted him for good measure. He hit me back and my nose ruptured. I jumped on him and we fell to the floor, shoving the door to the referee's room wide open. I've had a friendly beer with Blackwell since, but I won't look Warnock in the face. Wow. (laughs) Blackwell later became Turnant's assistant. He did, yeah. I think they, yeah, became became all right, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, uh, that was like Collins v Eubank back in the day, weren't it? Turn <laughs> every time it kicked off, every single time. I remember Warnock getting sent off at Turf Moor when we lost two 0 mm. and it were absolutely like just that. No, they were always at each other. Probably, I don't know if he's Warnock's biggest enemies either Turnant or Megson, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, Wally Downs for a bit as well. Yeah, don't like Wally Downs either, does he? Yeah, don't like, don't like there are a couple of other memories. Is uh, Brian Dean got a hat trick against him in the FA Cup? The year we got to the semi-final against Wednesday, uh, uh, it, were, it were an FA Cup replay, and he got an. I think he had scored for about ten games, and he got an hat trick and went. On, I think he got three hat tricks in three games uh, mm. after that. And he, they're also one of the many clubs that Billy Sharp scored against. He scored for us uh, in a two-one win there uh, under Blackwell when Blackwell first came in. Lovely stuff. So I'm looking be... forward to Billy Sharp always scores against. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's coming. Um, a couple of uh, honourable mentions have, uh, have played for both teams. Uh, obviously, Matt Loughton. Uh, Loughton? Levin? Which which one do you go with? You were Loughton or Loughton? Loughton. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I said Loughton, but I feel like I've said Loughton my entire life, so I don't know why I suddenly slipped into Loughton. But yeah. let, let's stick with Loughton. This is, a, this is like an underrated United Academy success story. He never gets mentioned, I guess because he's in that tier behind... Well, I mean, he's had a more. I think you could say he's had a more successful career than um, Cal Norton, don't Definitely. you? Definitely, and I, I'm the same as everyone else. Like when they say, "Oh, who's come through your academy?" Cal Walker, Cal Norton. You you forget about him, you know. Harry yeah. Maguire, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, he's had a great career. He's played Premiership for what? Well, how, how long Burnley's been in there now? Yeah, he moved to Villa initially, didn't he? So That's he right. Premier League for yeah. Villa. Yeah. But I think yeah, he has been at Burnley for a few years, and it's you know it's pretty much been a regular start for him, and a, a you know just a, a good player for him, really. So. Good for him. I, I always liked him uh, in that yeah. League One team um, in our, our spate of just producing fantastic right-backs. <laughs> didn't, didn't know what to do with him. Um, I think uh, he'll be playing as well. He played against Chelsea, so I think he should yeah. be in the team on Saturday. Definitely. Uh, Daniel Lafferty. Sorry. Adrian Heath is another one. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> what did you do that for? I don't <laughs> Daniel <know>. Lafferty, obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> obviously yeah. played a big part in his getting promoted from League One. Um I didn't realise Gareth Taylor played and scored, played for them and scored against us yeah. uh, in a game in that. I think it was the 2002-03 season. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I was just searching YouTube for some games between us, and I was like, Gareth Taylor was he still playing in 2003? Yeah, he seemed to be going for ages. Gareth Taylor, he, I think he had, he missed an absolute sitter against us in a in a home win as well under Warnock. Hmm. I think it was when Gascoigne played for. Remember when Gascoigne played for Burnley for uh, a short while? Oh, he did, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think he got took off to a standing ovation by everyone. Everyone pretty much knew it was going to be his last season in English football. I think yeah. I'm three 0 I think it might have been Jags' debut or first time he'd scored or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, another one, um, which, not signed from Burnley, but certainly played for both teams. Glenn Little, who I always thought was yeah. a very decent player. He's still going, actually. I think he plays for uh, Grey's Athletic, maybe? Really? I don't know whether, yeah, obviously not. I was going to say, I don't know whether you saw this on... Uh, it was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, but it was like... <laughs> this is sort of the the slowest but also most brilliant solo goal scored in ten years. Where he basically dribbles from inside his own half and ends up lobbing the goalkeeper. But even the even the shot is in slow motion. <laughs> it, look, it looks like the whole footage has been slowed down. But it's uh... he was the slowest winger I've ever seen. But he was really good. I don't think we played him anywhere near enough. But he weren't really Blackwell sort of player. No. Oh, well, I'd, I'd say it was towards the tail end of his career. But here we are ten years later. He's still yeah, going, yeah. So yeah, good for him. Um, all right, so just talking about Burnley, uh, their season so far, um, this is going to be a very tough game, I think. Uh, they, they've been better than perhaps people even have thought. I mean, some, I think they were a fairly popular pick for, if not relegation, then certainly down in the lower third of the table. Mm. Um, and are they currently, are they 11th, I think? Well, yeah, just below. Yeah. I think, are they on the same points as us, I think? Uh, One point yeah, thereabouts anyway. Yeah. Very similar start to the season. But looking at some of their underlying numbers, it's pretty impressive. They are the sixth best team on understats uh, expected points table. Um, mid-table for expected goals, but the fourth best uh, expected goals against, which makes them a meaner defence than us, actually, in mm-hmm. terms of chances against. Do you know, there's so many similarities um between us in I think even stylistically actually and how we've played this season uh, we're basically next to each other in so many metrics you know they're, they're not a team that shoots a lot like us uh, they're 14th we're 18th in shots per game um, but they do get the third most shots per game inside the six yard box uh, possession wise we're 18th and 19th respectively mm-hmm. Uh, they have the lowest pass percentage in the league. Sounds like a cracker uh, coming up. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, they. You know, this surprised me actually. So you think of Burnley, a direct team. They have the third highest aerial wins per game. So you yeah. know, like that makes sense. We're number one in the league for aerial wins that per game. Surprised me. We don't. I mean, I think defensively in particular. I mean, mm. most of that probably came from Everton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, defensively. They give up the sixth highest amount of shots, so they they do concede quite a few shots, but they tend to be from poor areas, mm. which again is is a parallel to us really yeah. in terms of you know we keep teams out of out of harm's way generally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was they've only lost it- four games this season. They've been to Arsenal away, Liverpool at home, uh, Leicester Chelsea away, home. and Chelsea at home, which is not a bad you know. No, I think uh, I think they're a, a very good Premier League team at this point. You know, this is going to be. Well, it's going to be a toughest game since Leicester for sure. I think, yeah. Um, and yeah, slightly, slightly concerned about this one. I mean, only concerned insofar as I don't want us to lose, but you know, rather than like, oh, our season's going to collapse if we lose, don't they? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, very effective. Uh, some good players. Dwight McNeil uh, is you know a bit of a talisman for them um, in terms of chance creation. I thought it was really interesting. They they have two players um, in the top ten for non-penalty expected goals so basically you know get getting good chances and that is their two strikers Wood and, and Barnes so it's an efficient machine essentially of um, creating chances for their strikers which again is that's something that United have basically been over the last couple of years yeah. isn't it so 
I don't know what to make of this game. It, it feels like two incredibly similar teams. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that, I don't know if that's going to cancel it out or whether it's actually going to be genuinely a very good open game. So I think it'll be different to every game we've had this season. I think it'll be more yeah. championship, not not standard, more more of a championship game where I think they, they're they not going to come at us with you know loads of flair and you know mm. probably won't even try and use it on the break we, we, as you say we're very similar i'm not so it's genuinely not putting burnley down by saying that i think they, they play in a way that gets some results in the same way we do and yeah. i think that it's we might have more possession than we're gonna get in any other home game this season mm. yeah i could see that um so yeah i think it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting one i think you know it's not no disrespect to burnley it's maybe not the one you sort of you look at on the fixture list and be like oh yeah i can't wait for that one but I think there's a lot of a lot of intrigue to this one, and mm. also we've just put ourselves in such a nice position in the league. Yep. Where it's it, you know, again, any point now is just going to be such a such a bonus. If we can just pick up some points at home, we've this shown we're going to we get, get a away. Point, if we'd have lost the last two, for instance, which I think most people have had us down to lose, you're thinking, right, we need to get three points against Burnley. A point don't look bad to me now, to be honest. No, and, and to be honest, the defeat is like, uh, well, you know, disappointing. And all right, we've got Spurs next, but. Kind of no big deal, really. You know, we, we've got all these points on the board now, and yeah. as I said, Burnley are a good team. There's, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not kind of um, bigging them up for the sake of bigging them up. They are, you know, they are to me like a like a Bournemouth type team of like very well established. You know, they know exactly how how to play to their strengths, which. To be honest, there's a lot of teams in the Premier League that haven't got a blooming clue how to play to their strengths. I mean, oh. look at our, look at our last two opponents, for example. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it might not be um, beautiful flowing football from from both sides, but uh, I think it'll be it'll be an interesting one. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it as I always. I think Chelsea but- really caused them issues, but we don't obviously have players as talented as Chelsea do. They can be got at in a sense that I don't think they they are the fastest side or anything like that. As Chelsea at times, you know, tore them apart with the movement and things. But it's going to be really, really, really difficult. It's going to be. I don't know. I, it's gonna. I, I can't. I'm trying to think of a game that is going to remind me of like from last season. Um, mm. They're not going to come out like Leeds or anything. Maybe, maybe oh, a bit harsh, but a good Middlesbrough side, maybe. Yeah, that's probably not a bad shout actually. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, that Chelsea game. Uh, <laughs> I think Chelsea uh, sort of rode their luck a little bit for a it team did. that was that was four 0 up in the game. Um, they were Chelsea were like brutally efficient with their finishing. Um, they only missed you know, a couple of really good chances at one and two nil as well. So, absolutely did yes, because I know they obviously pulled a couple of goals back, which made it you know made it more respectable and probably a, a much fairer scoreline, I think. But yeah, you're right. Barnes missed a well, an absolute sitter, didn't he? At, yeah. at one nil, I think it was where he just somehow edited it wide at the far post, and they had a couple of other chances as well. So. Yeah, I, you know, I was watching those Chelsea goals flying on Saturday and messaging you, being like, "I'm not hating this at all." To be honest, I mean, I know some people are a bit like, "Oh, they'll 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 want a reaction now," but <laughs> yeah, they uh, they put in a, a decent showing for a team that lost four two. To be honest, so, Chris Wood's a massive loss for him if he doesn't play as well. He's really important to how they play. I'd love to find him. He was injured against Chelsea. It, it, they don't know. I think he's going to keep. Well, not now until match day, whether he's going to play against us. But he's a sort of player. Obviously, we had no chance. But when we signed McBurney. You're hoping he were going to turn out to be something like Chris Wood, I think. Mm, well, still time. Just, yeah, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely. Just uh, stay off Instagram, please. Yeah, stop messing uh, the games. 
Everyone, yeah. everyone's going mental about it. So. <laughs> For goodness sake. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's uh, let's wrap up there then, unless you've got uh, anything else you want to... Uh, I've got there no, now. No. No. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and experiment this week and um, do a short Burnley preview podcast later in the week with um, a... a Burnley podcaster so look out for that in uh, in a few days closer to the weekend but yeah otherwise we can uh, we can wrap it up there another another great point for the Blades still unbeaten away as I said and uh, yeah we, we got through the Tevez grudge match yeah the big one un- unscathed and potentially even uh, moral victory as well even if we were playing for a, a moral draw right yeah, at the end yeah <laughs> yeah nice one alright buddy where can uh, where can people uh, read your stuff it's www.roysviewfrom.com and at Panchero on Twitter and you uh, you published that view from the neutrals last week didn't you yeah which was a, a great read. I, I needed to have a lie down after reading it. Yeah, the... I enjoyed doing it actually. I mean, I sort like I said last week, I started doing it on the, the night of the Arsenal game, and it were, I, I was in two minds whether to go along with it. And I found a lot of interesting comments and stuff. And I, yeah, I think it was a really interesting read just to see because it was a good time to do it as well. Like nine, ten games gone, just with mm. sort of we've sort of arrived. The, the people should know enough about us, but clearly don't in, in certain cases. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of nice things said about us by. Uh fans of other teams so if mm. uh, if, that, if that's something that interests you and I always find it particularly interesting then uh, yeah go go check out roysviewfrom.com I absolutely loved how the Newcastle fans said we were the worst team in the division and just got shot down in flames by his own fans who <laughs> just seemed to use it as an excuse to slag their own team off it's like typical like football <laughs> fan stuff that was not as bad as us <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah they're, they're not good to watch at the minute at all actually and yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was I was still frustrated still... with Wolves yesterday. That first half, or just like you could, you could win this game if you really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, Europa League and it. But even yeah. then, uh, and this should be quite alarming for Newcastle. I think. I thought as the longer that game went on, mm. um, Wolves looked much more lively and much more likely. So, do we? Yeah. I think we play Wolves after a Europa League game as well, don't we? It's definitely on a Sunday, so I presume it, that's. Yeah, that's coming up in I think. December or end of November, something like that. Yeah. So let's, I think that'd be a that's a great if you're going to play Wolves at any time. It's best time to play them is after a Euro, Europa League game, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Um, actually, just before we finish, I just want to shout out. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, I had somehow not seen it until um, uh, Luke Prest actually brought it to my attention. But um, this fella, James Kemp, who is cycling to all of United's away games this season. Uh, to raise money for the children's hospital charity. Have you seen this? I've not seen it. I, you sent it on obviously the notes for this, and I had a quick look, but it's the first time I've seen it last night. Absolutely amazing effort. So cycling down through. I mean, let, let's be right. The weather last week, at the end of last week, was absolutely horrendous. Yeah. And if there's one thing I did not want to do in that weather, it's it's cycle from Sheffield to London. Um, but that's what James did. Um, he's made it to every away game so far. Uh, he's cycling all around the country uh, to raise money, as I said, for children's hospital charity. And um, yeah, I wanted to give him a shout out. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, well, check my timeline, and you can see the uh, the link to his Just Giving page, or I guess just search for um, James Kemp on Just Giving, and you'll find it. But uh, yeah, do uh, do go and have a look and uh, and, and think about donating because it's an amazing effort and a great cause. Definitely, I'll be putting something into it. I, I didn't. Really, I did see a picture on. I think it was one of the Facebook groups of just someone on his bike saying made it to West Ham. I'm like, who's that idiot? Like, I didn't realise what, <laughs> you know, what he was doing it for. I was like, why is he, why are you ridden all that way on a bike bike now? Great cause and fair play to him. It's, like you say, last week in particular, that's a massive, massive mission, isn't it? 
I know, and uh, yeah, sorry, James, but that might just be a little taster of what's to come weather-wise in the next few months, I think. Yeah. So, but yeah, keep, well, at least keep you don't have it. to go to anywhere like Carlisle or anything like that. So. <laughs> That's true, and at least we're not in Europe this season, so oh, oh yeah, you know, doesn't have to cycle to Kiev or anything like that. <laughs> so yeah, get it done this year and not next year when we're yeah. in the Europa League. We're not going to be in the Europa League anyway. All right, let's let's leave it there, then, mate. Thanks so much for uh, for giving up your time as always. Really appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers, I'll talk to you later. See you later. See ya.